This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Can I just say, it is so good to be back in California. Oh my goodness, we're loving it. This has been such a great week as we've been like landing. Like and getting, It's like 30 degrees right now where I'm from. It's so nice to be here right now. 60 degrees, the sun is shining. We've been having so much fun this last week, just kind of jumping back in and, and rediscovering life. We went to Costco, like first time in seven years for me. I broke down in tears. My girls are like, Dad, what's wrong? And I'm like, it's so beautiful and affordable. Look. And, oh, and I don't have to shovel snow. I wake up every morning and if it's wet, it's wet. It's not frozen. I love it. This, this, uh, this last week, we uh, did a family trip down to San Francisco. We were the total tourists. Like I told I was like, I'm buying the bear. I'm getting it. Uh, but we're walking around. We, we walked uh, Pier 39 to Ghirardelli Square like late at night in January. And I just looked at the girls, and I'm like, we're not dead. <laughs> like, the temp- like, it's not, the environment doesn't kill us. Did I mention I don't have to shovel snow? Did I? Yeah. So it's just, it's so fun to be jumping back into life here. And, and to be joining all of you, like, it's been so fun us getting to connect with, with some of you thus far and seeing your story and hearing what God's doing in the life of this church. Like, we're just so excited to be here and can't wait to continue discovering with you everything God has for us as his church in Sonoma County. And so thank you for those of you that have reached out and just thank you for letting us be a part of this with you. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. And, and I, I love jumping in just kind of midstream, so this past week it's just been like connecting with Angela and Ron and stewards and, and just like, okay, t- tell me what I need to know so I can at least act like I know what I'm supposed to do, and so it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, but it's been fun and it's been really good, and you know, one of the things like, like I'm, I'm trying to figure out is like, okay, God, you brought us here, what's, what's the role you want me to play, how do you want me to play it, and just help me to do that well. And so that's been my prayer this whole week as we've been learning that. And, and so today I get to, to jump into the series that, that you've been in called Abundance. And it's a series that Ron kicked off a few weeks ago before we even came. And, and Angela continued a couple weeks ago as well, this thing. And so I get to jump in and, and play a part. And we're going to talk about this idea called mission. And and what does that look like? And how do we have a posture of mission? And, and so I, I just want to jump in. Are you guys ready? All right, let's, let's just go for this. So when you think of the idea of a life of abundance, like what comes to mind for you? Like for me, when I think of an abundant life, living a life of abundance, like what I think of is, is being able to do all sorts of things that I just love, like wearing flip-flops in January. Like I just, I love that. Or, or being able to spend time with my family and, and enjoy each other as we're walking around and yet mom and dad are fighting over directions and we're telling the girls, we're okay, we're just sorting it out, but I enjoy that. Or, or what's been really fun this week is getting to know new people and, and realizing that God's bringing our stories together so that we can help each other chase after him. That's been so fun to discover that. But, but what about you? Like when you think of a life of abundance, what are the things that come to mind for you? Costco, yeah. Right here. I feel it. I feel it. Like last Sunday, if you were a Niners fan, you know what abundance was all about. But what else like comes to mind as you think about it? Like how about um, spending time with people you love and people you care about? How about having the ability to do things you're passionate about? I mean, for some of you, and I, I got to meet some of you, like I don't know if you know Jack. Jack's phenomenal. Jack makes this place look so good for all of us. He was talking to me about some of the things. Yeah. 
give Jack some. He was talking about some of the things that he gets to do and some of the people he gets to serve. And as he was talking, you saw the spark in his eye. I'm like, there's passion. Look at that. And, it, and I think it's such a fun question because I think when we think about the things that we love to do, which is kind of like what an abundant life kind of looks like, I think it, it causes us to say, like, so wh- why do we do those things? So wh- why do you do the things that you love? Like, what is your motivation in doing those things? I mean, isn't it because at some level there's, there's a part of us that just feels like it's coming alive when we get to do those things that we love? Like, that, I mean, that's kind of the motivation is, like, I, I want to experience that life I feel rising up within me and, and saying, yeah, I want to do more of this. And, and so I love this idea. Let's, let's, let's chase abundance and figure out what it looks like. And, and yeah, I think what's really interesting, though, is when we ask those same questions about our faith, about our beliefs, about what does it mean? Like, hey, what does it mean to live a life of abundance when it comes to mission? It can get a little awkward, can't it? Just a little bit. Because I think, I think the reason why I can get a little bit awkward is, is it's like, well, what motivates me in my faith? Well, I guess I'm supposed to get excited about sharing Jesus with other people. I guess I'm supposed to invite people to church. I guess I'm supposed to do these kind of religious-y, Jesus-y kind of things in my life. And, and yet I think it gets awkward at times because if you are a follower of Jesus, we, we know we're supposed to care about those things. We know we're supposed to do them, and, and yet it's not always seems natural, or, or the, the same desires I have for other stuff doesn't seem to always be there. And, and it, like this thing called mission that Jesus is so excited about doesn't always seem to gel with me, or I don't always seem to be able to figure it out well, and, and yet I know I'm supposed to. Like, I'm supposed to want to share him. I'm supposed to want to share this goodness I found with him with others, and, and I think we can get a little bit sheepish, even maybe feel a little guilty sometimes when we talk about a life of mission, you know, because I've never drilled wells in Africa. Like, I, I don't share my testimony with the guy trapped with me and coach on the plane. Like, I, I don't even know my neighbor's names, just that they're really loud in the morning. Like, and so it's like, well, what does that look like? And, and yet I'm supposed to care, right? I'm supposed to care. Like, I'm supposed to want for them what I've found for myself in this Jesus guy who's, who's doing something really cool in my story. And, and yet I think too often it's easy to get stuck. Like for me, it's easy to get stuck on me and, and to, to think, well, I'm, I'm supposed to do it because I'm supposed to do it. And, and yet I'm wondering, where's my motivation? Why don't I get as excited about this as this other stuff in my life? And, and it's interesting when we chew on it. And, and yet what I, what I wonder is if maybe that's not how we're supposed to think about mission at all. Like maybe mission is another way of thinking about life that we don't always chew on. And so I'd like to give you a thought to consider this morning as we wrestle through this together. Okay, and here's my thought. Here's the thought to chew on. Mission isn't about what happens out there. Mission is about what happens in here. Like in your own heart. Like there's something that that Jesus is doing in your story, and he's changing you and transforming you. That's where mission starts. And so let let, let me explain this. Let's unpack this a little bit. And let's start with with looking at Jesus and and what he said his mission was. Because Jesus said he had a mission. The reason he came 2,000 years ago, the reason he walked on this earth with us, this is what he says his mission was. And so Jesus says this. He says, for for the Son of Man, that's a title he used to refer to himself, and lots of thoughts in that. But just know he's talking about himself when he says this. But he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save 
those who are lost. That sounds so noble, doesn't it? I mean, because Jesus said stuff like this and impacted the world, that's why he's always on the cover of Life magazine every year, right? And, and yeah, I think we can look at that and go, cool, admirable, but what does that really mean for me? Like, what, what does that mean for my life today as, as I hear him say that? Well, I think it can mean a whole lot for us because I don't know if you've ever been lost in your life. Like, like not, not just metaphorically speaking, but like literally lost. And, and you're like, it would be really cool if someone could come and find me because I would like to be found. I would like some help. So when God worked in our story and moved these Californians to Canada, our very first winter, 2013, 2014, it was a brutal winter. They called it the polar vortex. It like dropped to minus 30 degrees and stayed there for three months. It was horrific. And so we made some friends and we were hanging out at our friend's Kyle and Anna, and they had four girls that were the same age as our girls, and so we loved to hang out at their house, and, and, and so we're hanging out on their property. They have this beautiful property, and Kyle's like, hey, do you want to take the snowmobile out for a ride? A rip, is what he would say as a Canadian. Um, and I'm like, sure, I've never driven one in my life, so I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, how? I'm going to say yes. And so Christy and I jump on the snowmobile, and we take it out into his property, and there's a picture we can see. This is, this is kind of what their property looked like, just very beautiful so dog Leo that decided to lead the way, and, and there's me saying, let's go for it. You know those moments in your life when you look back on it, and you're like, if only I could go back and talk to that guy? <laughs> if only, like, don't you wish future you would come and visit present you and tell you some stuff? And you were wise enough to listen to future you? So what I would tell this guy is, you're stupid, don't do this, you have no skills, you don't know what's about to happen. But in this one, I'm like, cool, let's go. So Chris and I, we jump on the snowmobile, and we head out. And, and their, their trails were very thin, and you had to wind through these trees. And, and I remember there's this moment where, where there's this little hill dip going. And I'm like, well, i got to give it enough gas to make it up the hill. But we hit the bottom of the hill, and my momentum carries me forward. And the thumb throttle, my chest hits it, and I go full bore as this thing flies up for 10 feet and then comes to a dead stop against a tree. So in this moment, I have a few thoughts. I am an idiot. <laughs> We are still alive. I can't pay for this. <laughs> and so I'm able to pull it kind of back from the tree and his two skids in the front that are like keep you going straight. This, the, the one on the right is now at an angle permanently like this. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. The only thing we can do is keep going on this trail till we can find a spot that we can turn around because now we can only make left turns. And, and come back to his house. And so Christy and I keep going, and it's getting longer and longer, and it's getting more and more late. And I'm like, well, they're with good people. Our girls will be fine if they don't find us till the spring. And, <laughs> and so we get out to the back part of their property, and we're on this trail that widens. But the problem is, on the left side of the trail, there's this gorge that just drops straight down. And this thing only wants to turn left now. So I'm having to like fight it to keep going straight as we're back there. And I just remember thinking, I really would love to be found right now. Would someone come and help us? And, and so as we're finally getting it turned around, I hear this engine. And here comes my buddy Kyle, because we've been gone a long time. <laughs> and you know what I felt in that moment? I felt such relief because Kyle understands his trails. Kyle understands snow. And Kyle is an eMERGE dock. So if anything happens, he's going to be able to take care of us. And so I just kind of said, sorry, bro. And he's like, don't worry, I'll fix it. Thank you. And we start to head our way back. But can I just be really honest with you for a minute? Can I tell you what else I was feeling in that moment? I was scared. I was scared. Like, what if we don't make it? 
What, what, what if this is the end of our story? What does this mean for our girls? What does this mean for... Uh, we'll, we'll freeze to death, so I, I know what it'll mean for us. But like, <laughs> and, and, and something else that I was feeling in that moment, I was embarrassed. I mean, call it male ego or just pride. I was so embarrassed in that moment because I'm supposed to be able to do this and impress Christy and you know, look at all this cool stuff, and yet there we are, floundering, stuck, and, and I'm in a place where I just, would someone please come and help? And yet that's, that's not always a fun place to be. It's, it's easy in those moments in life when we find ourselves caught up in circumstances or situations or things that we, we, we just didn't want our life to go in this direction, and we suddenly find ourselves in that place. It's so easy to be afraid in those moments, isn't it? To be totally embarrassed. Like when your relationship with that person just falls apart. Like no one says, let's get together and hope it fails miserably. <laughs> None of us do that. But when it happens, man, it's so easy to be afraid and to be embarrassed. Or when, or when we make bad financial decisions, we thought it was going to go this way and the market takes us that way. Or that thing that just has its hooks on you that you just can't shake and you're just like, I wish I could shake this thing off, but this addiction just owns me. And it's so easy to be afraid and to be embarrassed in those moments. And, and if you're anything like me, when you find yourself in those places, I, I think there's, just, there's a couple things that I really, really want. This idea of being found. This, this is what I want when I find myself in those places. I think this is what we could say if we're just going to be honest sitting over a cup of coffee talking about life. I think this is what we could say we would both want. I think we would say this. What we want, we, we want to be met right where we are. As we are. Like, would someone please just show up in my story and don't judge me, don't condemn me, just meet me where I'm at because I, I need help. And yet, beyond just that, I think the other thing that we would want is, is somebody that would help us to move beyond where we are. Because I'm not simply looking for someone to come and just commiserate with me. I'm actually wanting someone to show up in my story, but then help me. Help me get beyond where I'm at. And, and let me tell you, this is what I think is so incredibly amazing and beautiful about Jesus. Because when Jesus shows up in your story, I mean, he meets you right where you are, as you are. And then he says, let me help you move beyond this. Let me help you move into something better. And, and we see a powerful example of this in a story that one of Jesus' best friends, his buddy John, writes in his account of the life of Jesus, what we call the gospel, the good news story of John. And, and in John 4, John's telling the story because he was there hanging out on that day. And it's the story where, where he and the disciples were, were traveling across their, their time. And they had to cut through this part of ancient Jerusalem called Samaria. And normally Jews would go around it because they hated Samaritans. But Jesus is like, no, let's just go through because I don't have a beef with these people. And so they're going through ancient Samaria and they kind of stop along the way and and Jesus is thirsty. He's hanging out at a well. So he sends his disciples in, go, go get some food. I'm going to hang here at the well. And, and then this, this woman comes out in the middle of the day to get water from the well. And it's kind of this interesting situation because here's a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman, and these two don't mix at all. Not gender, not race. You don't talk at all. And yet Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And, and he says, hey, could you give me a drink of water? And she's like, well, why, why don't, where's your jug? Like, why don't you have your bottle? What's, what's going on? And, and then he just kind of changes the conversation. He goes, well, actually, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you'd ask me for a drink because I, I would give you living water. I, I'd give you water that would satisfy the deepest longings of your life. And she thinks she's, he's talking about real water. So she's like, well, where is this water? I would like some of this water, please. And, and so this is her response as he's talking. And 
She says this. She says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And so Jesus said, go get your husband. Like, cool, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And her response, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Can we just pause here for a minute? This is a very interesting conversation that's going on here. And I just want to point out a couple of interesting things. First of all, let's talk about the time of day this woman is coming to get water. She's coming in the middle of the day to get water. Back in that day, the time you would go to the well to get water is in the morning because you're getting the water for the rest of the day or maybe at the end of the day. But that's the busy time. Here she is coming in the middle of the day. Why do you think she's coming in the middle of the day? Yeah, she, she knows her story and she knows everyone else knows her story and so it's less awkward to come to the well. I'm just going to go in the middle of the day because I don't have to deal with it. How many of you have a reputation? Okay, point at someone who does, if you don't want to own your own, right? Yeah. Isn't it so great when you can be around people that don't know your story? That's what she's hoping for. That's why she's there in the middle of the day, and yet she bumps into Jesus. And then I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, what you're, like you're, point, you're poking and pointing. Like, like, if I'm doing pastoral care and counseling, you don't do this, Jesus. This is like horrible. Like you're supposed to like, like, no, you don't this. And yet here's what I think is so interesting about what Jesus is doing in this moment. He, he's, not, he's not trying to rub it in her face. He's just trying to meet her right where she's at. Because here's the reality. Jesus sees her. He knows her. Same way he sees us and knows us. He knows everything about us. And, and he's not flinching. He's not pulling away. And Jesus isn't interested in playing silly games. He's like, let's have a conversation. Because there's a reason you're coming here in the middle of the day. And I actually want to give you something better than what you've been looking for. I want to give you something really good. And so he's inviting her into something new, into something better. He's like, hey, are you thirsty? Because I've got water for you. I've actually got water that will change your life, that will change your story. I have what you're looking for. I have what you've been longing for. And yet when Jesus shows up in your story, it can get a little awkward sometimes because he pokes. And so she begins to have this whole conversation. She starts to dodge the issue and goes into this theological conversation as a Samaritan talking to a Jew about, well, we worship God on this mountain. You Jews worship God in the temple. And so she's like, so have you ever just gotten in a theological debate with Jesus because you don't want to deal with the real issue? That's what she's doing here. And, and Jesus is like, listen, you Samaritans, you have it wrong. We Jews actually know what we're supposed to be doing. But here's the cool thing. There's a day coming where it's not going to matter. The temple, the mountain won't matter. What God's looking for are those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. All this religious stuff is going to go away, and it's just going to be God with you. And so he's talking to her about all this good stuff. And so she's kind of like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. And so the woman says this. The woman said, well, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Like, like we know that there's this promised one that God said is going to come. And when that guy shows up, he'll make sense of all of this, because I don't know if I agree with what you're saying. And then Jesus' response, Jesus told her, I'm the Messiah. That guy you've been waiting for? Hello, <laughs> it's me. And I love that. He's like, hey, I'm the one you've been waiting for. You just found him. And I love what Jesus is doing here. Like, like catch what he's doing in this moment. He's, he's not offering her some path. 
He's not offering her some five-step program. He's not offering her some religious system because religion is lame and Jesus gets that. I mean, religion's easy, right? I mean, let's just be honest. If, if you can jump through the hoops better than everyone else, that's an easy game to play because then you can just look down on everyone and feel good about yourself. That's why religion is ugly ultimately. And I love that that's not what Jesus is offering her. No, here Jesus is offering her something so much better than any of that. Something bigger, grander, but it's bold, it's audacious what he's offering her because what he's offering her is himself. I am this living water you've been longing for. That's why Jesus is, is big and scary and exciting because it's like, here I am, take me. Don't take the system. I have something to offer you. And, and her response to this is, is incredible, but, but I love what Jesus does in this moment. He meets her where she is, as she is. And then he offers her something better. And now it's her choice to decide what to do with that. And you got to love the response, what she does. Like, like she's so caught up with this incredible offer. She leaves her water jug and she runs back to the city where she was at. And we're sold. This is what she says. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. I love that. This thing that she was embarrassed of and ashamed of is no longer an issue. She's like, hey, you know that stuff in my life that you all know about? This guy knows about it too. But he's offering me something really cool. Come and see. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Come and see for yourself. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. What if? What if that thing you're so embarrassed about right now, the thing that you just, you, you would be so terrified if it was shared or known, what if that thing you're struggling with, the thing that has its grips on you, the thing that you just wish you could be freed from, what if that's exactly where Jesus wants to meet you right now today? He wants to meet you right where you are, as you are, not to rub your face in it, but to offer you something better something new, something good? What if he wants to meet you right where you are so that he could meet you with his embrace and then help you begin to move beyond wherever you feel stuck today, to move into the hope of something better, something new? Because see, that's what he's doing here in this woman's story. So, okay, remember just a minute ago when I said mission isn't about what's going on out there, it's about what's going on in here? Remember when I said that? Yeah, like your attention span is there, okay? <laughs> Love this. See, mission's not about that, so catch this. When you meet Jesus, like this woman did, your whole life has changed forever. Your whole life begins to be transformed because when Jesus shows up, he begins to change the script. He begins to transform your life. He begins to do a new work with you. And mission is not some chore you have to do. Mission becomes an overflow of his work in your life, his love poured into you, and you can't help but want to share what he's doing in your story with people around you, just like this woman did, who runs back to her town and says, come and see. I'm still figuring it out myself, but come and see for yourself what this is all about, because mission happens. Mission happens the moment your heart begins to beat in rhythm with God's heart, with Jesus' heart. When we begin, suddenly come to this place where we realize, I'm loved. 
I am loved right where I'm at. I'm loved as I am. Therefore, I move. I move into his embrace. I move into his love and acceptance for me. And I am now set free and begin to move beyond the issues and struggles and challenges in my life because though they're a part of my story, they no longer define my future. And guess what? I'm not afraid to share my story anymore because that's who I was. He's making me someone new, and I want to share him with others. That's the beautiful thing about what Jesus does. And see, this isn't religion or old school rules or regulations. This isn't empty tradition or hollow games. This is life living water that we find in Jesus. This is hope and joy and excitement and transformation and somebody who shows up and finds us where we're at and gives us the hope of something new so we can have a better life. This is what Jesus wants to do. He's the one who changes the story forever. Do you know that? Have you found him? Has he found you? Is he changing you? Is he changing your story? Because he's really, really good at doing that. And when you look at the lives of the people he touched, changed, transformed, you see that he did this again and again in people's lives and stories. One one of the the guys that you see this in is a guy named Paul. Paul was one of the early Christian leaders in the church. He's the guy that wrote like a big part of our Bibles on the other side of the life of Jesus. So I don't know, if if you're the guy being used to write the Bible, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself, right? But I love Paul because I love what he encountered in the life of Jesus. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy to his protege, a letter he writes to his protege about this whole idea of what Jesus did in his story. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. Like he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him because I was awesome and better than everyone else. (laughs) Oh, some of you are paying attention. That's not what he says, is it? He says, he appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Okay, I don't know how many of you come from like, like a Catholic background or not, but you ever seen St. Paul in the stained glass window? You know, like, oh, this is him. This is him. The guy that we revere and put in the stained glass. Paul's telling you, here's my story. Let me tell you who I was. He says this, he goes, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. Like Paul was responsible for killing Christians in the first century. That's who he was. He says, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. Now, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Man, where's that on our bumper stickers? Like, like, what if that was our, our demeanor and our posture to our culture and our world instead of like, boo-hoo to you? It was like, hooray, hooray to him. Let me tell you my story. And so he goes on, and he says, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners, that then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And see, when, when God begins to change a story, you can't help but want to share 
him with others. And so look at what Paul, he can't help but suddenly go into this moment of worship. So he says, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Amen means, yeah. (laughs) So this is Paul. Look at what he's done, Timothy. Timothy, I know I'm your mentor. I know you've been walking with me and following, but let me tell you what he did in my story. He changed me forever. And I can't help but want to live a life of mission and share that with everyone I encounter. Not because I'm awesome, but he is. And so in another one of his letters, he writes this. He was so moved by love that he wanted to live a life of mission. So in a letter to some Christians in Corinth, Paul writes this, 2 Corinthians, he says this. He says, we're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good, proud even, that we're on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are. I mean, if I acted crazy, I did it for God. If, if I acted overly seriously, I did it for you. And Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love is the first and last word in everything we do. What would that look like in your life today, right now? If his love had the first and last word in everything you do? How would that change the way you walk out of these doors today? How would that change the way you you walk into the office or the job site or the the conference meeting you're going into? How would that change the way you interact with your neighbors, your, your coworkers, your friends at school? How would that change the way you treat the barista or the person that cuts you off on 101? If his love has the first and last word in everything you do, because that's what moves you into mission. He is who moves you into mission. When you say, look at what you've done for me. Look at what you're doing in me. How can I not share you with people I encounter? Because you were too good to keep just to me. And so let me give you some thoughts to chew on as you move into this coming week. A few things to consider, some questions to wrestle with. As you're wondering, how how do I live a life of abundance that, that steps into a life of mission, chasing after Jesus? First question would just be this, as you reflect on your story. How has Jesus met you in your story? I mean, how has he met you as you are, wherever you are? showing up to come close to you. And because I think sometimes we forget that. We forget that all we are are a bunch of beggars, grateful for the bread given to us. And our job is to share the bread because there's a whole bakery. I've been down to San Francisco, I saw it. Bowden's got a whole bunch of bread. And that's what Jesus is. So how has he shown up in your story? You know why we take communion? Jesus said, to remember me. Not to do a ritual. It's to remember, oh, that's right. You did that for me because you love me. You've changed my story. Another thought to chew on in this coming week. How has he worked in your life to move you beyond the places where you've been stuck, where you've been caught, where you've been hung up on something? How is he still doing that? Because let me tell you, I'm standing up here, but I don't stand up here as a guy who's got it all figured out. I am a serious piece of work in progress. How about you? Yeah, those of you not not on your heads, that means you are a piece of work in progress. You're just in denial. (laughs) 
But man, when we, re- when we reflect on the fact that he's changing our story, that I can walk out these doors and I can just be me in process. I don't have to front or be anyone other than who I am knowing that I'm loved and he's changing my story. Man, that's so freeing. That lets us walk into relationships and say, oh, let me tell you, this guy that knows everything about me and he's loving me anyways. I don't know, I, I'm still learning faces, so maybe this is your first time in here. I, I've had a lot of people tell me, like, I was scared to go to church because I thought the building was going to catch on fire. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you were worried about the building catching on fire because you showed up here, we would have all burned it down a long time ago because <laughs> we were here first. <laughs> but it's standing because he's holding us up, and he will hold you up too. So who needs you? Who needs you to move into orbit with them? Because you've got a story worth sharing. Because you've got a God doing something in your life, changing you. And they don't need you to preach at them. They don't need you to force the Bible at them. They just need you to be you sharing Jesus at work in your life. And your job is simply to say, come and see. Well, I don't know if I believe in God. Cool, come and see. Well, I think Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, we are. <laughs> come and see. I think Christians are just judgmental. Yeah, some of us are. We're a work in progress. Come and see. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I know where the water is. Come and see. Let me tell you, that's your job and mission. It's not to fix. It's not to change. It's not to impose. It's to invite. Come and see. Come and see. And what would happen if we just all said, Jesus, I want you to use me this week. In whatever context I'm in to represent you to the people I'm around. I think if people saw us following Jesus in that way, I don't think we'd have a room that could contain the number of people that would would want to come and see. So let's figure this out. Let's try this. Let's see what God has for us. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you love us as we are, and you love us into something new. And Jesus, thank you that you come into our story and you don't flinch. There's nothing in our past, our present, our tomorrow that would cause you to say, what? You would simply say, that's why I'm here. So thank you that you want to lead us into something good and something new. And so would you show us as as your church how to be yours in this county for the sake of others? Show us how to be you set on fire by your love because we have something we're sharing. You are more than enough, which means we got to share you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.